we tend to talk about family history issues in um, very disconnected pieces. So if we're sitting in a doctor's office, Mm -hmm. we're giving our family medical history, what we know of it, if we know it. Not, uh, Not everybody does. Not everybody has all the pieces. Or maybe we take a consumer DNA test and we find out, you know, either it's exactly what our family told us or that we've got some surprises lurking (laughs) there. And which is... Which we have in our own family have had surprises come from that. So Yes. Um, I I think we are actually living in the time uh, where we're going to be the last generation that gets surprises. You know, uh, if yes. you think about it, 40 or 50 years from now, um, mm-hmm. the, the field will have expanded. People's yeah. willingness to share information and gather information, um, doing some of those testings will have matured. And there probably won't be quite as many surprises, but there yeah. sure are now. There are. But exactly. You know, or we get together over the holidays and we eat grandma's casserole <laughs> that we've always made or her terrible fruit cake that but yes. we have it. Jello and salad. That's, that's a part of communicating our story. We go to a funeral and we hear stories. Mm-hmm. But all of those pieces tend to be very disconnected. And yeah. if we are called to wholeness in Jesus, then all of those pieces need to be integrated. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello, and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. And we have with us today just the incredible Michelle Van Loon. Welcome, Michelle. I am honored beyond words to have you in our presence today and in our community. Thank you for being here. I'm so honored to be here. So this is good. We're already starting off in a good way. This mutual honoring. (laughs) Mutual admiration society. Because your newest book, Translating Your Past, Finding Meaning in Family Ancestry, Genetic Clues, and Generational Trauma, is exactly what I want to bring to the table this year. Because epigenetics is a conversation that we have introduced here in this community. We have a little tiny bit of understanding. Uh, I've introduced Mark Wallen and his work, and you and I were just talking about his work. Um, But your book is like a a primer, if I'm allowed to say that, or Mm -hmm. just a really fantastic and fantastic guide to really understanding what this means and why it is important. So why don't you start by just telling us why it's important? I've read it. I know. I get it. But my community has not yet. So why is this important and why was it important to you to write this book? We 
tend to talk about family history issues in um, very disconnected pieces. So if we're sitting in a doctor's office, Mm -hmm. we're giving our family medical history, what we know of it, if we know it. Not, uh, Not everybody does. Not everybody has all the pieces. Or maybe we take a consumer DNA test and we find out, you know, either it's exactly what our family told us or that we've got some surprises surprises lurking there. (laughs) And which is... Which we have in our own family have had surprises come from that. So Yes. Um, I I think we are actually living in the time uh, where we're going to be the last generation that gets surprises. You know, uh-huh. if yes. you think about it, 40 or 50 years from now, um, mm-hmm. the, the field will have expanded. People's yeah. willingness to share information and gather information, um, doing some of those testings will have matured. And there probably won't be quite as many surprises, but there yeah. sure are now. There are. But exactly. You know, or we get together over the holidays and we eat grandma's casserole <laughs> that we've always made or her terrible fruit cake that but yes. we have it. Jello and salad. That's, that's a part of communicating our story. We go to a funeral and we hear stories. Mm-hmm. But all of those pieces tend to be very disconnected. And yeah. if we are called to wholeness in Jesus, then all of those pieces need to be integrated. And so um, I wrote this book um, out of a a long journey of trying to make sense of my own Mm -hmm. story. There are secrets in my family story. Um, There there was trauma, there was abuse, all all of that. That is true, I think, in more stories than not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whether we know it or not, whether we're, we're aware of it or consciously. not. Consciously. And so. Right. Because they are playing out subconsciously, right? They are playing right. out are. subconsciously. You, you right. referenced Mark Wolin's book. Mm-hmm. I also used it as a reference point in my own writing about generational trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, we tend to play out those, those stories and we those do. wounds sometimes without even realizing Mm -hmm. what the genesis of them are. That's correct. I didn't write a super academic book. I just Mm -hmm. wrote a book because I'm, I'm super curious. I've been curious since I was a teen. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what launched me was I probably many of your listeners may be familiar with the TV show um, or TV series roots Yes. That was hugely popular in the mm-hmm. 70s. And that just kind of broke open it did. Um, a lot of mm. family tree research questions for the common man. Before mm-hmm. family tree research had been kind of left to royalty right. or to um, the, the daughters of the American Revolution mm-hmm. and not to the rest of us. Um, Alex Haley's work. Yes. Um, for better or for worse, there was certainly some um, questions that have arisen about his work over the years. But he did us all a great favor mm-hmm. by making it possible to start mm-hmm. asking those questions. Yeah. And he, he started the conversation. 
Yeah. I love, I love anybody who starts a conversation. Yep. You know, because it is much needed. And that's what your book is doing today for us Mm -hmm. is starting a conversation. It's like, where, what, how, why do I keep, for me, it's, it's been more of, why do we keep tripping over the same things in our Mm -hmm. lives, you know, or what is wrong with this relationship and, and having done therapy and, you know, study and all of that. And then there's still something that's more liminal spacious or more right that you go, it has to be otherworldly. It has to be something that has been passed down from the third to the fourth to the fifth generation, which is totally biblical. It, it I mean, is. We know it's not, it's, the, it's not the part of the, it's not going to ever end up on a coffee mug or a plastic no. you put in your kitchen. Or hanging on the wall. No. Oh, but it's, it's deeply true that yes. those family stories affect us. And one of the frustrations for me, I came to faith in Christ as a teenager at the tail end of the Jesus movement. My parents in the seventies, right? You said both or, Jewish. Like mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a total Jesus freak, freak child of the seventies. My parents <laughs> were Jewish. I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did not come into the church with any sort of background. I came uh-huh. in almost as a complete blank slate. Right. You know, I, I grew up in a predominantly Jewish community. Mm. So I knew there were Gentiles around yes. and Christians and they were all the same. Christians. You're not Jewish. Right. You're, you're the other, you're the other, you're the Gentile. And, um, so when, but I, I was super eager to embrace this Christian world mm. as my new family. My own family wow. rejected me on a lot of levels after I came to faith in Christ as a teen. Where and how did that happen? Uh, we moved, my family moved when um, I was heading into my teen years out of that Jewish enclave into a predominantly Gentile community. Okay. And it was the Jesus movement. And mm-hmm. I had a friend who came to school one day and told me, I gave my faith. I gave my life to Jesus last night. And I'm like, but y'all are Christians already. I mean, you're all the same. And like, it did not make any sense at all. She that is might so well good to hear. Esperanto. Wow. Mm-hmm. And she eventually... We smoked a lot of weed. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of conversations about Jesus. And over time, I began, I, I was very unhappy, began mm-hmm. reading my Bible, which we Love call it. the Old Testament, First Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, a friend of hers who actually was a little bit more dialed into the faith than she was like, he wasn't smoking weed with us every day (laughs) and talking about the Bible. Um, he suggested I read the gospel of John. Yes, And so beautiful. It, it was a very, um, scary thing for me to do. But the first time I read, um, John 14, six, Mm-hmm. where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. I was like, oh. that's who you are, Jesus. I oh. just couldn't understand how God could have a son and why he had a son. Right. And that 
that was like all the, the lights download. went on. Mm-hmm. And now here I am almost 50 years later, Aww. still, still proclaiming the same thing. It's the way. So, Mm-hmm. Anyway, only way. I counted on the church to kind of be my my new family. And yeah. I got that from reading scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, I like for some reason, I think as a teen, I kind of zapped over the fact that every single epistle was written to address conflict and problems yes. in, in this new family. Right. Um possibly except for Philippians. But mm-hmm. anyway, I really wanted this new family to work. And part of that was that, um, especially in those days, you would come into a church and they would say, we've got seven steps to fix your marriage, yes. three tips to raise your kids, four principles to run oh, your finances. Michelle. and. I, I, I was like, well, this must be it. So I understood by omission more than Mm -hmm. through anything that anyone taught that my family of origin didn't really matter. It was just my faith. Mm. And there is from that moment of reception and acceptance of Christ, then the rest is the past. Right. It's all the past. And so yeah, it wouldn't translate into the present or the future. It wouldn't translate into the present. And so I under I understood whether that was right or wrong, whether it was Correct. intentional. I, I did the don't same. I believe it was intentional. I did the same. No, it wasn't intentional. Right. But I I now have had moments, especially over these last years that I've been researching and writing this book. So I've been really immersed sure. in the subject matter. I will look around in a, in a worship service on a Sunday morning, and I think everybody is carrying yes. the stories of their ancestors with well, them. You can now, see other them. cultures in right. the world get this. They do. They absolutely do get it. We yes. don't get it. We don't. But you can see to. the bag, right? You can see the luggage or the suitcases. I'm sure you can feel it. You seem right. very intuitive and very hypersensitive yes. to to that, which I love. Yes. Right. And those stories shape us profoundly and sometimes in a subterranean kind of way, mm-hmm. like, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Way down deep in our subconscious. We know right. that now. We've had enough research in the last 20 years, moving into more than 20 now, about the affect of trauma on our lives. Thank God. Yes. You know, absolutely. And, and epigenetic trauma, epigenetic, just for anybody who might be listening. Um, it's, it's a very sciencey word and I'm not a very sciencey person. Um, I'm, I'm a writer. I love words. I love theology, but Sometimes you got to do some sciency learning because that's part of the world that God gave us. And epigenetics is the stu- it's a newer study. It's mm-hmm. got some controversy to it, but yeah. there's a lot of hard data with it that says that trauma kind of sits on top of our genes. Ooh, so what a good way not, to say that. Mm. It's not the um, for example, 
somebody who survived the Holocaust, mm-hmm. they're not genetically passing down that they went through the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. But what happened to their body, the starvation, the terror, the disease, the grief, the grief. all of that stuff yes. kind of works on our genes differently. And it gets carried down to subsequent generations, basically mm-hmm. supporting some of what those Old Testament pronouncements that are never going to end up on a coffee mug <laughs> tell us that the, the, the consequences yes. of trauma carry on, even if the next generations are are living a great life. You know, just yes. physiologically, we may... Um, be more prone to weight gain. We may be more prone mm-hmm. to certain kinds of genetic diseases mm-hmm. because some of those little triggers get turned on um, like a light switch because of the epigenetic trauma that's that's right. At play. So it it all sounds very weird, but if you think about your own story, mm-hmm. you can see how that played out. Um, because I'm Jewish, I'm part of a community that's been studied a lot by people yes. that are doing this kind of research. <laughs> so true. And surprise, mm-hmm. if you have people that are persecuting you and killing you and telling your grandmother to get out of the Ukraine when it was called the Ukraine and not Ukraine, um, yes. that trauma is kind of part of the part of what God used uses to make you he doesn't pull it out he doesn't overwrite it with your faith it's still there yes and um Mm. we are new creations but we are becoming new creations that's correct we're being sanctified daily if we want to get theological with it there is exactly sanctification is that process that we become new every Mm -hmm. day until the day we become glorified and go to be with Jesus. So we've got a theological here, which is also like, I have heard many arguments against, you know, oh, now we're just calling sin trauma, you know? And and it's not the same. It isn't. Okay, let's say alcoholism. My dad was an alcoholic. I remember the first church I was in. You know, he's a sinner. He's bad. He's so bad. He's the sinner. Well, my father, I know to this day, had PTSD. He was in Vietnam. He came home a wreck. Mm. He had childhood trauma, you know. So I just want to differentiate that right here from the very beginning of this, that, you know, we're not saying, oh, we're just glossing over sin. That's not that, you know, it's not that at all. But I love the way that you described that the trauma kind of sits on top of the genes, (laughs) right? It's just this ever-present little wound <laughs> this little divot or whatever you want to say right. it's right? A, it's an actual physiological it can be studied by sciencey people mm-hmm. as well as talked about in the larger context of trauma mm-hmm. and trauma and sin are not the same there's overlap certainly in places it's not sure. like if you were going to draw a venn, a venn diagram. diagram yeah it, it it's not like they're two non-connected circles. There's right. overlap, mm-hmm. but there's also differentiation between the two. Yes. So, which is what I try so hard in my own work to do. It's like mm-hmm. we we have to kind of 
bring that here in the present and look at it and at, from all angles. And thank God, like I said before, we now have wise people such as yourself giving us more information mm-hmm. so that it is a deeper work and it's a truer work to me. Mm-hmm. It's a truer work when you understand your genome, when you understand your family you know, history more and more. I had the privilege of going to my maternal side in the Czech Republic and going all the way up to Ersky Broad, where my grandparents met and got to see this huge book from my fifth and sixth cousins of genealogy study that they had done and how, you know, they came from one of the brothers and my family line came from the other brother who came to the States. So it was just the most That's so cool. phenomenal. Like, I wish I could go back and do it again because I now have so much more knowledge and I would ask so, so many more questions. But to then even understand communism and to understand the stoicism. And, oh, that's Mm -hmm. probably why my grandmother never signed love grandma. She just was stoic, you know, but they came by it honestly. Right. You know, so I just think it's critically important. The one one of the things I, I just really grabbed onto in the very beginning of your book is when you're talking about generational history and you say, you know, if you don't, if you don't find out about it. If you don't take the time, it's like having a rock in your shoe. It, it's true. Tell me. I love how you it, put that so simply. It's like it's like you just have that little pebble or rock it, in your shoe. Those stories are going to affect you whether you are conscious of them or not. Yes. And so being able to welcome those stories into your understanding of who you are. Awareness. Of your faith. Mm-hmm. of the way that you relate to the world mm-hmm. is part of how you give good gifts to your children and your yes. grandchildren, mm-hmm. you know, by ignoring the past, which is your stoic grandmother. <laughs> I had a grandmother who left what was the Russia, then USSR, Wow. Ukraine, the border shifted a lot. Wow. He left during the um, pogroms of the beginning of the 20th century. They kicked, you know, Jews were fleeing for their yeah. lives. Yeah. And until the borders kind of got closed in the early 20s here in the U.S., there was a huge flood of mm-hmm. immigrants, just like my grandmother. Yeah. Well, if you talk to my grandmother, her life started when she got to central Illinois, where she eventually Ah, lived. Anytime I would ask her, any kid can tell when you've asked a question and the grown-up is like, we're not talking about that. But then there's also the, and we're never going to talk about it, kind of Mm -hmm. silent subtext of, yes, it's just not terrible things happened. Terrible things. Like that's what I was going to say, because it Mm -hmm. just was too re-traumatizing, right? Right. Probably for them and not having the tools, right? Right. They had no tools. It's not what you did. It's not what my grandparents did. You know, I can remember the last time I saw my stoic grandfather, you know, Joseph, um, he had his hands on his hips and, and I was, 10, 11, or 12, can't remember exactly, but I was running around the front yard barefoot, free and, you know, frolicking Mm -hmm. as my little artistic self did back then. And he just said, put on your shoes, put on your shoes. 
you need to wear shoes. And I, I just thought it was cute. And then he, that's mm-hmm. the only time I'd ever, he goes, I love you. And I was like, wow, I feel that, you know, but it was just the only time, the only memory, but now I'm wondering, I'm thinking, wow, probably to frolic around in the grass in the front yard with no <laughs> shoes on and with that kind of freedom. He'd never experienced that. Right. He's never sure. experienced it. And shoes, shoes. for a lot of immigrants, like yes. that, that was like pure gold. Absolutely. So suddenly he's telling you a whole bunch of other things, which you're a kid, you're American. Yes. You know, got no just, clue. No clue. But those clues are all part mm-hmm. of what shapes our story. Yes. I also write about adoption in here. Uh, not everybody has access mm-hmm. to those, whether it's because of a silent grandparent who won't talk right. or because, you know, it's locked the, up the somewhere. are closed, mm-hmm. but we can still gather a lot of information about ourselves and our story in lots of other ways. Mm-hmm. And those ways count just as much yes. as your relatives, you know, gorgeous book that you viewed. Yes. They're all part of the puzzle pieces. We're not mm-hmm. going to ever have all be able to decode every piece. Right. But that understanding is whatever we can understand and the questions we carry are are super necessary yes. for our own identity. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And but I think people of faith. Yes, our heritage, our ancestors, like you mm-hmm. said, I mean that was passed on in the Old Testament quite a bit. You just mentioned, let me look here at the uh yes, okay. Well, I have two two things I want to talk about decoding, but I also want to ask you because I'm I love words like you, and I am curious as to why you chose the word translating. So if I, I let me let me read this from the book first because I love it. A translator converts words from one language into words in another language. The technical side of a translator's role includes a mastery of grammar and vocabulary Mm -hmm. of both languages. The art involved in translation includes nimble interpretation of each language's nuances, idioms, and slang. Mm -hmm. Language is a living, ever-evolving thing, and sensitivity to how real people communicate is the difference between a skilled human translator, and a computer program Mm -hmm. that might get the words correct, but obscure the meaning in the process. Translation translation expert Bajay Kumar Das, I will probably say that wrong, writes, a translator is a reader, an interpreter, and a creator all in one. Mm -hmm. As we seek to make sense of the story, which is what we pound the table of here, of our ancestry genes and generational trauma of the past, we are engaging in a sacred call. Oh, Michelle, to make sense of that story. We are engaging in a sacred call to listen, understand, and transmit meaning. And let me add this last sentence. Some might view the subject of exploring family stories as a self-indulgent exercise in nostalgia. But if a cachet of wistful, melancholy, sepia-toned memories is the sole product of this effort, 
then we are missing the profound gifts of identity, purpose, and hope that come with the redemptive work mm-hmm. of translating the past. Holy wow. <laughs> that is so good. I have feelings. You do. <laughs> about this topic. Yes. Feelings about how we are mm-hmm. actually neg- neglecting, in a sense, mm-hmm. the complete redemptive work for our lineage, for our life, but for our lineage. That's what I'm all about. Like Mm -hmm. I want, I have been dedicated, just had my first two grandbabies this past year. And when I, I had to be present, it was like, I Mm -hmm. felt I have been waiting for this. My husband and I made a dedicated decision, you know, 38, almost 39 years ago to raise up a God, you know, godly heritage. Mm-hmm. And so to hold that next generation, yes. I just had to, I had to whisper in their ear. I had to say, oh, baby, baby girl, baby boy, you know, yeah, you're here. You're just, I mean, I'm getting chills, you know, and speak truth into their mm-hmm. ears, you know, as in, as they're just brand new in this world. So I love that you have strong feelings about mm-hmm. us translating our past. So that word translate, why was that the word that you chose? Well, I, for me, the exercise hasn't been about becoming a um, genetic family tree researcher expert. Mm-hmm. I can only go back so far. Mm-hmm. People that get kicked out of countries, as all four of my grandparents did, you know, the records weren't so great. They were actually, the people who kept better records were the Nazis who were able to, Mm. um, I think, access some of the, my relatives that got left behind in the old country. Yeah. So they have very good records for all the wrong reasons. So records alone are not the answer. Any of the other pieces, whether it's our ethnicity, whether mm-hmm. it's where we're raised, the community that we're raised in, mm-hmm. um, whether it's our family, um, the places where our family has split apart, the yes. only way to make sense of data is to approach it with the heart of a translator, okay. which is to not only gather the information, but understand what to do with it mm-hmm. and what it means for someone else. And I also say in the book, we are not just passing on this information within our families. It's how we're relating in community. Oh, so even if we absolutely. don't have children, yes, we are, we are, Forming relationships with other people in our churches, in our workplaces, in our towns. Yes. And those relatives are with us there as well. They are. They without are. being, you know, too woo-woo about it. Yes. I think that's why we don't do it though. I think there is a lot of, oh my gosh, you know, that's in the Buddhist tradition, or that would be in the right. Hindu, or that would be in the Japanese Asian culture, or you know, I've been to Thailand. I have seen the altars. I get all that, but this is not woo-woo. And I'm I'm tired of not bringing things to the table so that we can have an intelligent conversation about them because they might be considered woo-woo. Right. You know, well, Jesus was one, pretty woo-woo, wasn't he? I mean, he well, yeah. he, he picked and up mud and put it on somebody. Yeah. That I include 
discussion questions yes. in this book because I want people to feel free to start talking about mm. their stories and for us to be able to go, aha, you know, yes. like, uh, like I see. And sometimes it takes somebody else witnessing that story to be able to give you, you know, another piece of mm -hmm. the interpreter's lens that you might need to make sense of your own. And they oh, is that why your whole family is so, <laughs> you know, fill in the blank. Yes, exactly. Opinionated, creative. Right. You know, or stoic or, or stoic. unfeeling or afraid to talk about emotions right. or feelings. Exactly. Without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you also talk about decoding the double helix, mm -hmm. deciphering the language of our DNA. Please inform us somehow. Give us some information about what that means. Because so many of us are taking tests. And um, in my case, it's not just the consumer tests. I took a couple of them. And guess what? They told me, yes, you're Jewish. You're a hundred percent Ashkenazi Jewish. Surprise. As if you couldn't look at me and listen to me and not and be like, right. We totally see that. But um, I've also had mm. medical DNA testing um, because I've got a rare inherited condition and Mm -hmm. So the research hospital where I get treatment for that condition, it was like, would you mind if we poked around, <laughs> poked around in your it. DNA if for these specific Please. things? We are just at the beginning of, of all of this information. Mm -hmm. The human genome has yeah. been decoded, started and finished within our lifetimes. Yes. They are just at the very beginning. Right. But being able to see not only, oh, this is where I get my curly hair or my blue mm -hmm. eyes mm -hmm. or my inherited genetic yeah. condition. That's only part of it, but we still bring the same interpreter's task to that because no two of us are are the same. We're not just um, right. being cloned off of a mother or off of a father. Mm -hmm. God is using all of that to, to create someone and something completely new and unique. Mm -hmm. There is a design, yeah. or there is a designer within the design mm -hmm. that we may study. I and that's that. a part of the interpreter's task as well, is to recognize mm -hmm. we are created in the image of God, mm -hmm. and he is using all of these ingredients, the trauma, the DNA, all, all of that, the history, the choices, the divorces, choices. yes, the marriages, the infidelity, right. infidelity the mm -hmm. secrets, the addictions, all of that. Mm -hmm. That's why... As much as I love being able to get into the data, I'm a research kind of person. I love mm -hmm. it. Me too. But that's just information. It might yeah. as well be a card catalog in a library mm -hmm. without somebody being able, you know, to kind of, what yeah. does this mean? How does this go into who I am? It's not all of who I am, mm -hmm. obviously, or I would not be a, a person who is a follower of Jesus. I would just, right. you know, so, so faith, 
and choice, mm-hmm. all of that plays into the story too. Mm-hmm. But being able to honor it all is mm-hmm. a big deal. Right. We talk a lot of in, in our community here about, you know, holding things um, in two hands. Like in mm-hmm. one hand, we hold joy. The other hand, we hold sorrow and we have to integrate mm-hmm. it. So today I really see, okay, we're holding our family history. We're, we are holding our mm-hmm. genetical DNA that's been passed down for centuries and centuries and centuries. And in the other hand, though, we as followers of the one true God are holding miracles and holding discernment and holding insight. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there. am I right in saying that? Because- Yes, absolutely. And hope that, okay, mm-hmm. just because great, 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 great grandfather so-and-so- That's right. That doesn't mean I can't actually pray. That's mm-hmm. where I put my prayer now deliver us from anything in the mm-hmm. unseen make me conscious of what That's is right. in the unseen make seen what is unseen mm-hmm. is that is that i how this I, works i i totally agree in the chapter <laughs> on epigenetic trauma yes i tell the story of a young woman that i know a friend who just if you could make like a laundry list of every terrible terrible thing that could happen to a child this woman had it all i'm so yeah and Mm. it resulted in when she was in her 20s of a counselor that she was seeing telling her she needed to call the department of children and family services to report herself for the abuse that the physical abuse she was starting to wreck on her children Right. Um, because the counselor said, I'm a mandatory reporter. So it's either yeah. going to be you or me, and it will be better if it's you. Well, my friend did that. Wow. She was already seeking help. Yes. She knew that she was a train wreck and out a of control, whatever. And, Correct. Whatever. All blowing up. Mm-hmm. But she has also learned over the last. 15 or so years since that crisis moment, you can address the trauma of the past with new ways of being. No, it's never going to be just like an easy thing that flows out of your internal self. You're always going to have to involve Mm -hmm. cognitive hard work. Yeah, because the body keeps the score. We know that. We are very well aware. Right. But she has done the work. Oh. She has, you know, what, whether it is in the area of nutrition, whether wow. it is in counseling, whether it is in other, you know, she has. She took an integrated approach and got help from a lot of different angles. But part of it is recognizing mm-hmm. her own story. She couldn't do the work without doing that other stuff that involved a lot of grief and yeah. sadness. Mm-hmm. It's but painful. It's painful to look into that. It's reflection. painful, but it's mm-hmm. not a fatalistic or deterministic kind of like now you're doomed to repeat the exactly. same horrible things. Exactly. You may see patterns. Yes. But with with God, you mm-hmm. get to work on a new script. You do. There is a new way forward. So good. 
say it, preach it. So good. (laughs) It's so good. We can, we absolutely can Mm -hmm. rewrite our narrative. We absolutely can. Or as I like to say, integrate the old with the new, right? So that we're wholehearted because it's part of, you know, it is who I am. I am a child of an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I am da, 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 da. I am all of those things. That's right. But I am also a redeemed child of the most high God. That that is right. And, but you can only re speaking as a writer, Mm -hmm. you can only rewrite if you've got some awareness of what it is you're looking at. (laughs) Without a doubt. Because it's called rewriting, right? Rewriting. Like it's not writing. Right. Editing. Editing. All of that. It's translating. It's uh, That's my new word. You have totally given me, I almost want to be a, a translator instead of a coach. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, can I get certified somewhere and being a, a translator of family history? (laughs) Where can I do that? Because if you find that place, tell me, because I would sign up for that. Maybe we'll start that place. I don't know. Um, I would love to be, I don't want to leave this. I don't want to leave this conversation period, (laughs) but I do want to leave with, uh, some, some tips, some tools, one place to start an action step, whatever you want to call it. And you Mm -hmm. have one of your chapters and, and of course, Heartlifters, it is all in this book, uh, filling in the blanks, listening Mm -hmm. to the mysteries in our family narrative. How do you, you've given us a little bit already. But how do we first become aware? We know we have to become aware. Mm-hmm. We have to go, my life is blowing up, the, like your friend, the, mm-hmm. the story. Um, that's where mine started. Mm-hmm. I can't keep living this way. What is wrong? Mm-hmm. Why do I keep doing these patterns? Why? So how do we listen to the mysteries? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Do you have some wisdom for us? Right. there none of us will be able to answer every question. Mm -hmm. So being able to kind of start with, I'm not going to know everything. One of the things after my mom died, Mm -hmm. I remember thinking, now I'm never going to be able to ask her. I know. Was her childhood bedroom? For some reason, I, you know, like, I knew a lot about her. I was learning a lot about her childhood, but I didn't like I didn't know what was it like for her to be in that bedroom. Mm, what a great question. Did she be bed? Did she? Fascinating. What, you know, whatever. No matter how much we know, there's always going to be stuff we don't know. We don't even know our own stories well enough, much less. Touche. You know, forbear. Yes. But I think for me, the key is to hold these stories with a lot of curiosity the more questions you can form even if you don't get the answers asking the questions can sometimes open a line of thought or inquiry and definitely of prayer Mm -hmm. not necessarily for the answer because sometimes as we know from reading the book of job you may ask why 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 and you're Mm -hmm. not going to get the answer so it's more just being able to form the questions gets you in a conversation. Yeah, exactly. With, with your story in a new way. And um, mm-hmm. that is always a worthwhile pursuit because mm-hmm. it also shapes who you are to the world around you. Yeah. 
I'm so curious, Michelle, um, how, I mean, having your history, your mm-hmm. Jewish history, the heritage, the, mm-hmm. the anguish mm-hmm. that your great grandparents had to have gone through and them before them, like leaving Russia mm-hmm. into, we know that's top news story here in our world again today. Again. Right. Again. <laughs> um, how, in all of your research, I'm curious because I do work and and I call myself a novice researcher. And you know, I'm not mm-hmm. a clinical psychologist or applied. I wish I was, but I'm not currently. But my novice research, you know, how do we then, after we're becoming aware, we start to ask really good questions. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the questions, you just be curious, look around, mm-hmm. maybe look at your at a family gathering, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I know when my mom was, um, I went through a nine year, almost a decade of just caring for her and it was Mm. arduous, but asking, uh, you know, questions. But then after she passed and she was talking about that this past fall, I was in Kansas for the birth of my grandson and was there for five weeks. And my brother visited, he's about almost nine years older than me. So it's almost Mm. like we were in different families Mm -hmm. in a sense. And he starts telling me things when we're walking about our family that I was like, how have you waited all mm-hmm. this time to tell me these things? And we're walking and my my daughter was ahead of us with my new granddaughter who had flown in from South mm-hmm. America. A lot of information, I know. But it's important because she callers back and she goes, mom, turn on your recorder. <gasps> Turn it on. Awesome. Record this conversation. This is our family legacy. This is mm-hmm. important. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's so smart, right? That so is that that was super smart of her. And, but I'm I want to encourage all of you heartlifters mm-hmm. because that's what it looks like to start mm-hmm. understanding. It's just I am so curious. Right. I am and, the one. And I, having those conversations. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. Sometimes people are not super excited to share the stories, no. you know, like, no. so even if you hit resistance with a family member, if mm-hmm. you're in that kind of setting, we don't want to talk about that. That's fine. Yeah. That goes in your pile of questions. Why not? Why the silence? Why not? Right. Why not? Because sometimes you can put a hypothesis together you can mm-hmm. is you know like about your very stoic mm-hmm. forebears you know and the shoes or, like that just came to me i'm really the last few months it's like oh wow that must have had <clears throat> way more significance than i right. thought you know right. and you just affirm that i also think that it's about timing like yep. perhaps i wasn't ready right to have that information brought to me until until past that God knew. And that's why I love holding God and all of his power over here, mm-hmm. because he does have a Kairos time for us right. to have things revealed to us because we have to be prepared for that. And also people in the second half of their lives tend to be more, um, interested in doing this work anyway, as you're trying to kind of figure out 
What is it that I'm leaving behind? What is my legacy? What am I passing on? What do I need to know? What do I need to make peace with? Mm -hmm. All this, this is not disconnected from that part of our spiritual growth and development. Which you talk about. And and if you would be so kind, please come back, Michelle, (laughs) to talk about your, your first book, Becoming Sage, Cultivating Meaning purpose and spirituality in midlife. What? It's so good. I just love the cover. I love everything about it. So we are extending an invitation. I'm extending an invitation because I do think that is exactly right. It's it's as we are developing, becoming more mature. And, and for me, it's mm-hmm. seeing the grandchildren now come. Okay, well, yep. I don't want to pass on. I want to make sure mm-hmm. I can be as whole as I can be that's as right. imperfectly perfect as I can be to, to carry on, you know, and give them a legacy worth carrying on. Mm-hmm. So my last thought, my last question to you then is how then, if all of these things that are unearthed are hard to take or hard to process, mm-hmm. how then have you seen to make meaning and make peace with it without it devastating us? Um. There are things that get unearthed that are best unearthed in the company of a good counselor. Okay. There are other parts that may need the companionship of a good coach mm-hmm. or a spiritual director. I like um, it. I have, I have accessed all of those things. Me too. There are others that benefit from ongoing conversations with close spiritual friends that are willing to pray mm-hmm. and grieve and talk. Yeah. Um, Catch and the there's tears. other parts of the conversation and the, uh, and the translation process that just belong in us being aware of who we are in community, in our church, in mm-hmm. our, in our homes, in our extended Safe spaces. Mm-hmm. So everything all matters. Not, not everybody needs a counselor mm-hmm. for everything. Um, but some people would definitely benefit. Um, I it definitely was helpful for me to mm-hmm. walk through some of what I write about in the book with yeah. a counselor first. <laughs> yes, and I like to really say a trauma informed. I think that's really important yes, to yes, me. Yes. It's been very important. Yes, to to school myself to mm-hmm. go and get certifications and to really understand how generational trauma or childhood trauma, how it does inform our present. I'm curious, you know, because back in the day before these last two decades of understanding trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, don't poke the bear, don't wake up the tiger. Mm -hmm. Are there ever times in your experience or in your research or in your thoughts where you think it's just better that that maybe isn't woken up? Um, It's a big question. it, it, It may be for some people. For some people. Okay. It may yeah. be. I, Depends. Like, That's good I'm always like, I, I need, I just. I want it all. I need to know. <laughs> yes. um, and I will, I will get what I need to help make sense of it. But I need to know not everybody wants to go there. Yeah. Um, okay. I like that. There, there's lots of grace in that, but there's also parts of your story that you can go there. So you don't want to go down the road of 
that maybe you know sexual trauma your father fathered other children and you yeah. and, you know and you just cannot handle and meeting them like i get that and that that's one that definitely might require a counselor and there's yeah. support groups out there and all of that that have all emerged mm-hmm. um for people that are trying to make sense of some of those family secrets but there's yeah. other parts like your ethnicity like um you know, just the parts that you do know that maybe just are an invitation to go a little deeper in yeah. in thought and in honoring the mm-hmm. work that God has done. Yeah. You're here. Mm-hmm. God has you here. And he, he is he is your father yes. beyond all of that. And I mm-hmm. talk in the book, I have a chapter about the story that scripture tells us about genetic history Mm. that was, um, do share, go right ahead. It was just, it was, it was joyful to write and to be able to say we're connected to that story too. Yes. Like this is, this is a part of that interpretive task. That's beautiful. That's That's part of our history. It's part of our history. Yeah. Our ancestry. And it's mm-hmm. beautiful. It was such a big deal back in the, the day to unless we have the genealogy accounts in the beginning of Matthew in these books that you right. just pass over Leviticus, you know, I'm we just, just not reading zoom it. past them unless we're past. looking for a weird pet name. That's what I- exactly. Oh my gosh, Michelle, <laughs> this has been so life-giving, so powerful. And I just thank you. We all thank you so, so much for being so jubilant and for being so authentic, it's very important. And we can't wait to have you back to talk about becoming sage because I would like to become sage yeah, in me my too. maturity. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, bless you, and please keep doing the work that you're doing and thank enjoy you your so beautiful life. Thank you so much for having me. It's you're my so honor. Aww. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.